Welcome to the Radical Mother Village. If you're new here, a radical mother is a woman poised in her power, ready to disrupt cycles of generational trauma running through her family like wildfire. She's working to improve her life, the lives of her children, and shape the landscape of her community. If that's you, you're in the right place. This podcast is designed to connect you with resources, inspiration, and the reminder that you are not alone as you embark on your journey of radical mothering. I'm your host, Krista Bevan, dynamic self-care coach for radical moms, and I'm so excited you're here with me. Now let's dive in. Hi there. In today's episode, I want to cover more about what trauma is. This is something that we've talked about on the show a few times now, and I think it would be helpful to give a little bit of background about what exactly trauma is, what different types are, give you an overview of how it happens. I'm also going to cover some common symptoms, and then we'll also touch on how trauma can be inherited. Let's start right off with what trauma is. This is a word that I feel gets thrown around a lot, but we often have a vague notion of what it really means. So first and foremost, trauma is anything that overwhelms your system's capacity to cope. And it really is that simple. It also explains how some things can be traumatic for one person, yet create resiliency in another person. It's all extremely relative and individualistic. Peter Levine has a quote about trauma that says, it shocks the brain, stuns the mind, and freezes the body. So let me give you an example from my own life of the way that trauma can be detrimental for one and actually create resilience in another. And this is a story about my herb garden. So this isn't actually about people, but plants, which I some days love more than people. But here's the story. This past fall, we were expecting a frost. I live in Vermont. It gets cold very quickly here. And I knew that, but honestly, I just didn't have time to cover the herb bed. And so I sort of took a chance on what was going to survive the frost or not. So I go out the next morning with the baby and we're checking on the damage and I have planted in the bed. I have basil right next to parsley. And when we go and look, the basil is completely brown. It's totally dead. There is no surviving. It is not coming back from this frost. It's a goner. The parsley that's sitting right next to it, though, looks better than ever. The green is bright and vibrant. It smelled incredible. Later when I ate it, it tasted better than it had all summer long. And I thought, this is the perfect metaphor for trauma. So we have an event. In this case, it was the frost that happened. Overwhelmed the basil's capacity to cope. So it ended up killing the basil. Trauma doesn't kill us. That's That part isn't the metaphor. But it overwhelmed the basil. Let's just say that. Whereas the parsley responded to it by coming back better than ever. And that's exactly how trauma can be for us as well. So there's different ways that we can also break down how trauma can manifest. This first distinction is another thing that I hear tossed around quite a bit. So let's address that one first. And that's the idea of big T versus little t trauma. Now, these are actually not distinctions that are scientific. They're just distinctions that we use socially to talk about different events. So big T traumas are things like war, genocide, famine, natural disaster, assaults, car accidents. These are all things that are easily identifiable 
as trauma by the people who have experienced it or witnessed it. Anyone on the outside hearing or seeing about these things would would agree easily that is traumatic. And then there's little t trauma, which often occurs as a series of events or an accumulation of smaller events, but it's not necessarily one large standalone incident the way that big t trauma is. So some examples of little t trauma can include things like racism, bullying, harassment. It can also be divorce. It can be interpersonal conflict. It can be financial worries, legal trouble, difficult childbirth experiences. Any of these kinds of things may or may not be easy to sort of detect or assign as traumatic, but very well can be. And then another distinction to look at is the complexity of trauma. So there's things that we call single incident trauma, and these are sort of standalone events. So they're sort of, they happen and then they have a completion to them. So things like a car accident or a natural disaster, those would be single incident traumas. Whereas complex trauma is something that happens as a result of exposure to multiple traumatic events. It's cumulative. It's often has roots that are underlying in interpersonal conflict. And what's important about this is that what's true, regardless of the type of trauma or the complexity of trauma, is that all trauma involves a loss of agency or a loss of control, feeling like you are in control on the part of the person experiencing the trauma. That's one of the things that qualifies it as being traumatic, as being overwhelming for your system to be able to cope with. Next, let's look at the basic process of trauma, how this actually manifests and occurs in your body on a physiological level. If you're not familiar, I love teaching people about what I call nervous system literacy. I actually have an entire episode about that that you can go back and listen to. I'll link it in the show notes that gives you a little bit more in-depth than some of these things that I'm going to talk about and address here. But essentially what's going to happen is that your body perceives a danger. And I say perceive because trauma is determined by the perception of threat. It's not actually about the magnitude of the events, which is how little t traumas can still end up being traumatic to you, but it's the perception of threat, right? So your system, it perceives danger. This then sends out a signal to your body, which activates your nervous system It responds through innate biological processes. This can be fight, flight, or freeze. Sometimes it's a combination of those. Sometimes they happen sequentially. Sometimes you go right into one, jumping past the others. But essentially, your system becomes activated to respond. And then if the threat, whether it's real or perceived, is too great for your body to be able to deal with, or if you are not able to complete the stress activation that happened in your body, if that is not allowed to exist, then trauma happens and it disrupts the integration of key systems in your body. And this causes disruptive symptoms, which will be experienced in the long term and continue to be experienced in the body as trauma. And I'm going to talk about what some of those symptoms are in a moment. And as a protective mechanism, one of the things that your brain does is that it actually creates divisions or splits in the experience 
as a result of the trauma. So what can happen as a result of this is that it can lead to disconnections in the future between your thoughts, your feelings, your sensations, or your behaviors. This is why people who have had traumatic experiences in the past can then sometimes have behavior in the present that doesn't seem to make sense. Their reactions can be disproportionate to what's going on around them. And that's because until trauma has been resolved, and this is now a quote, the trauma is a thing of the past, but the body keeps reacting as though you are still in imminent danger. And that's coming directly from Bessel van der Kolk, who wrote the incredibly influential and incredibly important book, The Body Keeps the Score. If you are wanting to know more about trauma and the interactions of the body, it's definitely worth checking out. I bring that up because it creates not only this disconnection between your thoughts and feelings, but also a disconnection of time. It's almost as though your brain and your body are operating on two different timelines where your brain, your thinking brain might understand that you are safe, but your body doesn't know that. Your body is still in a place of reliving the traumatic experience that happened to it. And that's one of the symptoms of trauma. For single incident trauma, if it isn't resolved in the body, that's where PTSD can start to to come into play. So PTSD is post-traumatic stress disorder, and that has a variety of symptoms, but they include things like denial of the incident, shame around it, anger, feelings of anxiety, difficulty focusing or concentrating. It can be things like hyperarousal, numbness, depression, survivor's guilt, But it can also be physical symptoms. It can be things like digestive issues, headaches, vertigo, nausea, body aches, excessive sweating, a racing heartbeat, shallow breathing, difficulty sleeping. All of these different things can be happening. It can be some of these. It can be a combination of these. It could be just one that's extremely prevalent. There's lots of different ways that it can happen. But the point is is that you continue to experience these symptoms long after the incident of trauma has resolved itself. And now complex trauma can cause all of these same symptoms, but complex trauma also impacts your ability for self-connection and cohesion. It interrupts your ability to relate to others. It can diminish your sense of meaning and purpose in life, and it can also lead to destructive or risky behavior. Remember earlier I said that because of these disconnects, sometimes the behavior of a person in a situation doesn't match the situation. That's where this risky behavior can come in sometimes. And then complex trauma can also interrupt a person's capacity to regulate their reactions. It can interfere with their ability to develop healthy, coherent personal identities, and it can create difficulties forming positive, secure attachments necessary for healthy relationships. Now, this is true for adults, but it's especially true if complex trauma is happening during childhood. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a moment, but a great quote that I found in the research said, single incident trauma that causes PTSD is like losing your mind. Whereas complex trauma is like losing yourself. 
When I read that, that was, that one really hit me. That was a really powerful way of framing that. It really explains the difference of, of how these things continue to create destruction in our bodies, in our minds, and in our lives. So let's talk more about childhood trauma, because trauma that's endured during childhood, and especially complex trauma, it tends to affect the life not only of the child, but also of the adult that they become later on in life. It continues to wreak havoc on both their mental as well as their physical well-being. Now, adults who have suffered trauma as children are at a higher risk of disorders of the endocrine, of the immune systems. They are at a higher risk of several of the leading causes of death, like heart disease and cancer. And a lot of this is coming from the research on ACEs. So that stands for Adverse Childhood Experiences. And this was this monumental groundbreaking study that was done looking at children and looking at a variety of experiences that they may have encountered as children and then the health outcomes as a result of those experiences. The research from that shows us that children prone to high ACE scores are not associated with a particular socioeconomic status. So it means that these things are society-wide. This can happen to any child anywhere. And aside from big T traumas in childhood, like sexual abuse or neglect, children can also become traumatized from insecure attachments with primary caregivers. And this is where I think things get really interesting because there are a variety of different types of insecure attachments. And I'm not going to go into those differences here because they really all point to the same outcome, which is that you have a higher risk for certain chronic health conditions later on in life if you've experienced these. The other thing here to note is that parents who have unresolved trauma from their own childhoods can then pass this trauma down to their children by creating an environment in which they're not offering a securely attached relationship. So for instance, if your grandparents were traumatized and had unresolved trauma in their lives, and that interfered with their ability to form secure attachments with your parents, that could be enough to traumatize your parents. And that could be enough to then create an environment in which your parents were not able to offer you a secure, healthy attachment, which can then cause trauma in you, right? So you can see how these things can quickly start to become cycles of inherited family trauma. And that trauma doesn't have anything to do with common culprits of childhood trauma. It can simply be these insecure attachments that end up being handed down generation after generation. And that's actually incredibly exciting for us as radical mothers because we know that, we feel that in our bones already, and we know that our job is to disrupt that cycle. And the research actually supports us on this because if you look at the work of Dan Siegel, he shows us that parents who recover from their trauma can interrupt and intercept its transmission to their children. That's the exciting news. And that's where I want to end this because there's a lot of heavy information in here, but it's not without hope. There is reassurance that what we're doing as radical mothers is worthwhile and not in vain. This incredibly important work that we're doing 
is really making a difference. When we take the time to do the interpersonal, the reparenting work on ourselves, it's affecting our children. It is setting them up for success so that they can live a life without these things that we have had to face in our own lives. And that's our goal, right? That's the whole mission statement of a radical mother. We have an incredible capacity for healing. Our brains are neuroplastic. We can consciously choose to make choices in our life that change our outcome and the outcome for our children. Even if our reality was a lifetime of childhood trauma, that does not need to be the fate or the destiny for ourselves or our children. All right, mamas, that wraps up another episode of the Radical Mother Village. Thank you so much for listening. I know how valuable your time is, and I appreciate that you're willing to spend some of it with me each week. If you are looking to dive deeper and connect with fellow Radical Mothers, you can do that by joining the virtual village that I facilitate over on Facebook. You can find the link to that in the show notes, or you can also search within Facebook itself for the Radical Mother Village. Over there, you'll find other like-minded mamas doing this work, supporting and encouraging one another, and it's also a great way to connect directly with myself, get a sneak peek on upcoming content, and get access to exclusive offers and resources. 